This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Reshot, save Talbot. Rebound, top of the blue paint. Reshot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. Closing, Reshot, Martinez, save made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers, 2 on 1 to win it. McDavid in for the left hand side. Dry set awaits. There's the center pass. Left timer home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing tonight? It is 6.06. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. We take you into your weekend. Hope you have a good one planned. We got K-Days underway. We got Taste of Edmonton underway. Uh, That being one of my favorite festivals here in the city. I've already been twice yesterday and today because uh, I enjoy small portions of food because you can just feel like you can eat a lot more when you're eating just little bits, right? That's my logic. You can text me at 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063, the email inside sports at 630ched.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. The CFL game tonight will not start until after this show is over. Winnipeg at BC, the Blue Bombers 2-1, and one, BC 3-1. and one. Another All-West matchup tomorrow. Saskatchewan will be in Calgary. Regardless of those outcomes, the Eskimos will be in first place in the West after this week. They are 4-0. BC can get to 4-1, but obviously the Eskimos would have a game in hand. And it was looking like the Eskimos were going to suffer their first loss of the season last night, but then the fourth quarter. Motion starts all going to the right side as Riley takes uh, the snap, rolls to the left side. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimos. There's the snap. Calaris dances a bit and throws, and he throws deep downfield. And is that intercepted? Yes, the Eskimos have it. Josh Woodman comes up with the football intended for Luke Tasker, and the Eskimos' defense has stolen it. We'll see if he can do it again. There's the pin. The ball is up. And it's good. It's a two-point game. 25-23. Motion starts. Riley waits for the ball now. Settles in the pocket and throws over the top to Zilstra inside the 15. And the Eskimos are knocking on the door. Down by five. Riley takes the snap. Throws. And it's not complete. It's complete to the five. Touchdown, Eskimos. Vidal Hazelton wrestled the football away from the DB. Turns and takes it to the end zone. And the Eskimos will take the lead. 13 seconds to go. He drops back. He gets some heat. Delivers. It's intercepted. Intercepted. I don't see any flags on the play. The Eskimos have the football. Kenny Ladler picks it off. And that should seal the deal with four seconds to go. 
That did seal the deal. The Eskimos not getting the lead until there were 23 seconds left. 31-28, the victory over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yet another close one for the green and gold. Another single-digit victory. But I'd sooner be talking about those than single-digit losses. And Mike Riley just having an incredible season. He has completed 72.1% of his passes through four games. He has thrown for over 1,200 yards. He has seven touchdowns and has not been intercepted this season. That's an incredible four-game stretch for the Eskimos quarterback. And Brandon Zilstra continues to impress over 100 yards again last night. He's averaging over 100 yards a game. 34 catches for 409 yards on the season. So look, we got a good team. I don't know yet if we have a great team, but we got a good team here in Edmonton at the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium this season. And the Eskimos' next two games will be at home a week from tonight. They play BC. That's going to be a big showdown. And then uh, Hamilton is here on August 4th. Then the Eskimos have two uh, away games. Then they alternate after that. Certainly, you know, you got. I, I didn't get the sense that, first of all, can, can we now say it wasn't a trap game since they won? I guess we could say it wasn't a trap game since they won. Um, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are 0-4. They they made a lot of plays yesterday. I mean, Riley took a pounding. That was probably the, the roughest game that the Eskimos O-line had. Hamilton brought the pressure. Uh, you know, they did a good job being physical. They got after Riley. They forced him to some throws he didn't want to make. They hit him a couple of times. They stayed out of penalty trouble with that. By the way, as an aside... When you want to talk about rules, and, and I know there's always a lot of talk about officiating with whatever sport is in season, and the CFL zebras tend to get crapped on quite a bit. But there was the one call last night that is not on the officials because they called it properly, and that was the roughing the passer call on the Eskimos for tackling Zach Kalaros below the knees, and he had yet to throw the football. Unfortunately, that's the rule. You, you can't hit the quarterback below the knees, even if he still has the ball. I don't like that rule. I mean, you, you have players who are being blocked, who are going down, who, are, who, have made, who have successfully collapsed the pocket and gotten through to the quarterback, and they might be on the ground, but the quarterback's leg is right there. I mean, they are trained to tackle and to hit. And I think if the quarterback has the ball, there has to be a little bit more leeway for the defensive player to do his job and actually execute a sack. Look, the headshots, I, 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 I know sometimes they, you know, they happen or, or the play will, you can challenge roughing the passer and you look at it in slow motion and say, well, was it really that big a deal? But I think the head stuff you have to call and you have to punish the player for making a headshot, whether it was blatant or not and whether he meant to do it or not. But the the below-the-knee stuff, if it's the process of making a normal tackle and, you know, not a targeting the knee or an ankle after the, the ball has been thrown, I don't think that should be a penalty. But that's that's not on the officials. That's on actually how the rules are written. So that's, that's a change I would like to see. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the, the Hamilton the Tiger Cats got pressure on Riley, but what have we seen? And, and I kind of view this era of of the Eskimos probably starting with Riley coming over and you know you can look at the 14 season the 15 season the 16 season 
And that's sort of what I consider a separate era of the Eskimos team. And with Riley, and you can jump, you can put Sheridan there and Bowman. Guys have been around through the, these last, I guess now three and a quarter years, three and a third year, or three and a quarter years it would be. The, the one of the identities of this team is that generally they don't let games spin out of control, even if they're not playing great, and they stay in the game, and they manufacture enough plays and points to get the win at the end. And I know it's tense, and there's definitely something to be said for asserting yourself early in a game and saying, oh, we went out and took control, and we were up 10-3 after one, and uh, we were up 17-10 after two, and then uh, we were up you know, uh, 24-10 after three, and we sort of choked the life out of the game and never really let the other team in it. I think the Eskimos are good enough to do that, and I think they will do that to teams at a couple times this year. But winning close games is is not luck. The Eskimos are not lucky to be 4-0. They have been good enough to win all of these games. Think about the BC game. Okay, fine. They give up a lead late. What do they come out and do after that? 73-yard pass to Zilstra. Game over. Right? Montreal, they, they fight back. Hold Montreal off. Ottawa... Okay, sure. If if you want to categorize any of these as lucky, maybe that's the luckiest one. Maybe maybe that's the luckiest one. Ottawa uh, misses the uh, extra point. They got to go for two a couple of times. Both plays, I think, were there. Harris didn't quite make a good enough throw under pressure, but the Eskimos get the win. And then yesterday, yes, absolutely, Hamilton played well. They pushed the Eskimos to the brink. But I don't look at that as a lucky win when your quarterback takes the team 74 yards in just under a minute to win it at the end. And you got a star like Zilstra executing. And you got Hazleton fighting off a DB for the ball. And you got Duke Williams, the rookie out of Auburn, busting his butt across the field to to make a block to help Hazleton get into the end zone. That is not luck. That's the team executing at important times of the game. Look, both pro athletes always know the score. I mean, Rob Brown and I talk about this during the hockey season all the time. And Rob always says, you know, players always know the situation. And it's it's a different vibe out on the ice if it's 4-1 with five minutes left as opposed to a 2-2 or 3-2 game. And in that final minute, Hamilton knows the situation. We stop Edmonton, we win. And they give up 30 yards on first down. And then they get passive and, and give Zilstra that big hole to get the Eskimos down inside the tent. And conversely, the Eskimos know that situation. They know, all right, maybe some ugly stuff has happened. Maybe we gave up a blocked punt. Maybe, you know, we didn't get in the end. Whatever. They know we execute now, we win the game. And, and they did it. And I absolutely think that is a skill and a mental skill as much as a physical skill. And and it, to me it should be it should be celebrated that this team has it and and I, I think some of the hand wringing, at least for now, needs to go away. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text six thirty six thirty. Got a uh, text message here about roughing the passer I want to get to when we get back. Inside sports on Eskimos Radio six thirty Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Jordan Spieth 
leads the British Open going into the weekend. He is six under par. Matt Kuchar, second place, four under. We do have a Canadian flag high up on the leaderboard. Austin Connolly tied for sixth, five off the lead. He's uh, actually a Texan with dual citizenship. He used to spend time in uh, Nova Scotia with family in the summer, so uh, kind of a Canadian to cheer for. But Spieth with the lead going into the weekend. He was 65 yesterday, 69 today. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. I got uh, a text and a call I want to get to. I'll get to Richard's text right now. He says, I agree to having the roughing the passer penalty Number one, too many quarterbacks get hurt too often. They are the marquee players, and they're the ones that draw the big crowds. Also, if you leave the quarterback alone, there is more offense, so that's also good for the league. That is from Richard. So, yeah, fair comment, Richard. Uh, I'm I'm guessing you're replying directly to uh, my comment about hits below the knee. Which, which I think should be outlawed if they, they, they come in late. I, I've just seen, and it happened to the Eskimos last night. You've seen it in other games where the quarterback still has the ball and, and, he's, and he's tackled. And, you know, I just feel that that's putting a pretty big restriction on the defensive player to say, well, the only, the only, the only part of the body I can get to is the leg because I'm low down on the ground. Why can't he perform sort of a wrap-up on the legs to take the quarterback down? I, but... Yes, in in theory, I I like what they've done with the roughing the passer penalty. The only thing that I would they would alter is is that I allow the defensive player a little more leeway in tackling below the knee if the quarterback still has the ball. And and I know there's a risk there, Richard. So fair comment on your part. You can text six thirty six thirty the phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Eskimos surviving several injuries to start four and zero. They did suffer some more last night. John, what's on your mind? Well, exactly that. I mean, gee whiz, Reed, I don't know if there's any uh, more uh, up-to-date information on on the injuries, but, I mean, we're we're down to, uh, five or six starters on defense, and I, this year I was really worried about the secondary, but I've been so impressed with the linebacker play and the secondary play, and we're just we're running out of guys. The only good thing is, uh, I don't know how our coaches keep it straight, but the opposition knows... That the, the the they know where the starters are missing, but they don't know who's in there, and and it kind of changes about every six or eight series. So I think the coaches get a, a huge. I don't know where they're going to find any more players. Reed, at this stage of things, uh, uh, Brock Sutherman must be busy on the phones and. And, and the Canadian backups, man, they've been outstanding. Well, Josh Woodman is uh, a Canadian drafted out of Western Ontario, 44th overall in 2016. That was only his seventh career game yesterday. He got a pick. Here's here's the update I got from, uh, from Dave this morning. Uh, Blair Smith, hand injury. Brandon Thompson, Kendall Lawrence didn't finish the game. Unknown injuries. And obviously the team didn't practice today. So Christoph Mulamba-Shamanga had to go in at linebacker. And Alex Hoffman-Ellis also rotated in. So Josh Woodman and Chris Edwards played the strong side half. They kind of had to switch them back and forth to keep the Canadian ratio proper. Uh, Daquan Bowers, who's been pretty good, uh, didn't finish the game. So Kwaku Boateng went in uh, a lot 
at rush end as well. So we don't we don't know how serious some of those are. I know there. I, I saw people tweeting today that Tristan Jackson is apparently in Edmonton, which would indicate he could be a kick returner slash DB if Lawrence and or Thompson are out long term. But yeah, it's crazy, especially the linebacker position. I mean, you know, Bowman goes out; they have other receivers. Well, I guess John White's out as well, but they have mounted. But but I mean, again, I think that's a credit to the team is that they 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 fight through them and they have the depth to get through them and still win. The other impressive thing was, you know, when that offensive line needed to give Riley some time on that last drive, they did. Like nobody got even close to him. Well, and and John, that goes back to my point about the the mental side of the game, and and you know. And, and and I you know I reference Rob Brown because I do ninety hockey broadcasts with him a year counting preseason. Well, it would have been around a hundred this year with the playoffs. And he and Rob played in the NHL, and, and we're going to talk to Blake Dermott in a few minutes too. And Rob often uses the word belief, and it might sound hokey, but once Riley got off that first thirty yard gain to Hazelton on first down, do you really think Hamilton strongly believed they were going to finish that off and win? Not a chance. Right. They, you could see they sat back, and that first down play changed everything because then Edmonton could call a running play, right? Yeah. Van got eight yards on it. Then they smashed ahead for two. And then, I mean, Zilstra's a great receiver, but did you see the cushion Hamilton was giving him? And, and you know, and like, it was a really nice block on that last touchdown play. Uh, it was 80 or 81, I forget. Duke Williams but, ran across yeah. the field and blocked the guy. He just, beautiful shoulder to shoulder, not a lay. Not a penalty kind of hit, and so yeah, good, good show. You know, it should be a real battle against BC next. So, I think, I think, I still think BC, Edmonton, and Calgary are their top three teams in the league. I mean, I mean, Buono has never had a bad team, except so, for when they had the ownership debacle at the end of his tenure. Yeah, he's in a real magician, man. <laughs> He's, he's so good. They're going to beat Winnipeg tonight. They'll be 4-1. and one. We're 4-0, and oh, so one week from tonight, that's going to be a big showdown. Yeah, I can hardly wait. Thanks, Reed. John, appreciate your passion. Thanks a lot. <laughs> 780-496-0063. Yeah. texting in simply saying, Ricky who? Well, <laughs> hopefully, uh, so what is it, uh, six years after the trade? Five and a half years? That... <laughs> I think everybody's fine with Riley at the quarterback, but that's not to diminish uh, Ricky Ray's career. And, and you know what? I think Hamilton's, uh, or pardon me, I think Toronto has, has a pretty good season as well. Pretty good season going as well. All right, so uh, the Eskimos 4-0. We're going to talk more about that with Blake Dermott coming up out of the 6.30 news. Uh, the Blue Jays are leading Cleveland 2-1. That's in the bottom of the fourth. The Indians with a runner on first with two out in that inning. We'll keep you posted on uh, on that one. La- this is going to be fun later on tonight. We're going to have S- uh, Sabrina Wilsey on the show, who's a swimmer with the uh, U of A Pandas. And she <laughs> she's going to handicap the great gold versus great white race. That Discovery Channel is going to show. I mean, the race has already happened. You've probably heard heard about this. Twenty-three-time Olympic gold medalist. I mean, he's basically his own country when it comes to having won Olympic gold medals. Michael Phelps is racing a great white shark, and I was doing some research today. It should. It if you look at the numbers, it should not be close. Kellen, maybe we'll have to put a wager on this. I uh, don't. We'd have to look at the Vegas odds. I mean, the race has already happened, and then they've packaged all his preparation and the race into, into a little show. 
What is this? This is Shark Week, the thing they got on Discovery Channel. It's all it, shark shows all week. Yes. I've actually never really watched I it. guess so. Has anyone seen Michael since they taped this? That's the other thing. Yeah. That, was, yes, that could be the big spoiler, he was right? not eating Kelly Kennedy. You got to go straight to the, turn it into a horror movie. No, no, no. Michael Phelps was not eaten. He survived the race. He's done interviews since then. Oh, Kellen, you cheeky monkey. Blake Dermott's coming up. You can always text 630-630. we got open line time, 780-496-0063. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Back after the news and weather. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. It's 6.34. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, we have every Oilers and Eskimos game for you throughout both seasons. And we are rolling along with the 4-0 green and gold here. It's uh, It's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. And last night's was an absolute nail-biter. I was joking with uh, Andrew Gross uh, at the end of the afternoon news, uh, if, you, if you're on Twitter, I know a lot of people don't use uh, Twitter, and quite frankly, it's not always a pleasant place, but Andrew is a, a dedicated fan of both the Oilers and Eskimos, and he, he's a comedian, so his Twitter account's actually quite funny to begin with, but uh, he can be especially entertaining during Oilers and Eskimos games, sometimes when he's not trying to be funny, just because he gets so intensely worried, and I usually give him a hard time about that. Uh, another guy I uh, like to give a hard time to, and he often gives it back, is Blake Dermott, our Inside the Game analyst for Eskimos broadcast here on 630. Chad, Blake, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, having you on twice this week because the Eskimos uh, had the short week and we're talking about victories uh, both times. Let me ask you this, though, because, you know, I was referencing the, the fan experience of, of, of watching that game. I was talking about Andrew. I, I've, I've told stories about my mom before and how nervous uh, she can get and, and also how much she hates the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but that's a whole other show, I think. Uh, well, she can't be all bad then. Yeah, yeah exactly. But... Uh, you know, it's it's funny because the fans get get so nervous, and most players in that situation, when you ask them, they're just going to say, "Well, we thought we were going to win," or "Well, we knew if we executed, we would." I mean, and you've been there. It's a totally different experience being in a close game when you're on the sidelines and on the field, isn't it? Well, it is. But when players say that they're not nervous, I, I think they're they're not being completely honest <laughs> um, because I I. I don't think I ever played a game where I didn't go into thinking I was not nervous. Um, I, I, I was nervous from the beginning of a game to the end of a game. And, uh, and for, for a number of different reasons. I mean, for me, I, I always felt that, uh, you know, I, I just didn't want to make a mistake. And because and, uh, when, when I made a mistake, it was usually going to be a replay of that mistake probably a couple of times. So, so I was I was always nervous, and I always played. You know, I always had a lot of respect for the guys I played against, and and uh, I felt that helped me get get myself prepared for a game to be to be on edge, to be ready to play. But uh, there, there is a difference between playing with with a you know being nervous about being on the field and, and having a nervous confidence. And I think I think that's what the Eskimos. You know, you go into any game because you can't anticipate uh, every play, so you, you you have some apprehension about plays. But you also have a certain amount of confidence that you're going to be successful with that. 
And the, what the Eskimos have learned over the last year and a half, last couple of years, so ever since they won the Grey Cup even, is that they have the ability within the room, they have the ability within in, in every huddle to make enough plays to win games. So, so although you get nervous and you get behind and you start to think, ah, you know, is this the day we lose? You still have that confidence in the guy beside you that if we do what we're supposed to do, we're going to have some success. And I think that's exactly where they're at. Well, I think that, that that's a really good explanation, Blake, and, a, and a, an explanation of how nerves can work. And then it probably comes down to how you channel that. And I, I was referencing in the last half hour, and I'll, I'll just set it up for you here, because you know Rob Brown and I do every, do every Oilers game together, and and Rob, who like you played in that, you know, play he played in the NHL, you played in the CFL, he often talks about belief, and does this team have belief? And this year, do, you know, did the Oilers have more belief? No, they certainly had more talent, but Rob would argue they also have more belief. And and when that last drive started, Blake. When the Eskimos got, it was 29 or 30 yards, I think it was 29 yards to Hazleton. I think they went from their own 36 to the Hamilton 45. When when they got that big of a chunk of yards on one play at the start of the drive, you have to wonder what happened to the 0-3 Hamilton Tiger Cats trying to preserve that lead, right? I mean, I think that might have sapped some of that belief just getting that one big play to start the drive and conversely boosted, I think, an already strong Eskimos belief. I would agree with that. The other thing I would add is, as I sat there and that with a, with whatever time there was left, a minute to go or right around there, and I watched Riley go out on the field. They were kept showing him warming up, and 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 I I have a lot of respect for the toughness of, of Mike Riley because he took a beating in that game and uh, he got hit hard a couple times, slow getting up, and he just looked like he was determined. He wasn't jogging out on the field. There was no false bravado. He went out kind of slowly, kind of just okay. This is what we're going to do, and it, and and then and then when he threw that first pass to Hazelton, I kind of went, well, why is it taking him 59 minutes to make it look this easy? <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Then you know, then then they ran the ball for an eight yards and got a first down, and then they threw the ball to uh, down the field to Zilstra, and I'm going, oh what. Like what? Why do we? Why do the Eskimos have to make it so hard on themselves? Because there's so many times in the games, and we saw this last week in the game, and then we saw this in this, in, in this game yesterday, where they'll have a nice first down play, seven eight yards, and then blow the second down play, or you know, or they they get themselves a penalty and put themselves into a situation. And we always talk about this about about this on the broadcast about how. They, they, it's very easy to play defense against any team when you know that they're in second and long situation, because you can drop back into deep coverage. You can you can let them catch the ball underneath or let them run the ball. Give them the real short stuff and have twelve guys rally to the ball and, and take it away. And if you get a team in second and long a lot, they're they're not going to have a whole lot of success on offense. But the Eskimos seems to do that to themselves a lot. And it isn't what other teams do, it's what they do that to themselves. But what's been so beautiful this year is that, well, when they need to figure it out, they figure it out. And, uh, and they certainly are, you know, uh, it's like that old saying, you know, you, it costs so much money for a seat at the game, but you, you only need the edge right. of the Eskimo seats because that's, <laughs> it keeps them on edge the, the whole game. They're, they usually start slow. They got six points in the first quarter, which equaled their, the season output up to that point. So even six points, and they were still losing. They, they only got six points in the first quarter, and then they slowly but surely got stronger, and as the game went on, and what you really noticed was they took eight penalties in the first half and only took two penalties in the second half. 
when when you look at Hamilton, they took 16 penalties, and that's right there is a sign of a team that uh, is 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 doing a number of things. They're they're not playing as a team. There's maybe some selfishness in some of the things that they're doing, and and that can be brought on by a fair bit of frustration. And I think that happened. You know, when when and when you asked that question about that pass to Hazelton, what does that do to a team? Um, and does it does it deflate them, but it also frustrates them. And and the Eskimos easily frustrated Hamilton at the time when they needed to most. You know, Blake, it, it, it's interesting what you said about the offense, that feeling of, well, why didn't they, they, they put together a drive like that earlier in the game? Here, I'm, I'll just give you my observation, and then you, you can roll with it. You know, 4-0, so we're splitting hairs because I, I'm happy with the record, and I don't mind winning close games. Uh, but I actually, for, for me, Blake, the defense has been, I think, m- solid, more solid than I thought they would be. And even though the offense, you know, has made some big plays and has made some clutch drives, I don't think the offense is quite as explosive as I expected it to be. Yeah, well, it's tough to argue with either of those points. Um, The defense is leading the league in defense. Um, They're playing so well. uh, They're a tough team to run against. They're an even tougher team to throw against. And what they've done to the top receivers... uh, on, on every team, they've done just an excellent job of, of shutting them down and and uh, and forcing good quarterbacks to look very average. Um, and and they uh, they've got uh, their front seven, particularly when you are now playing with your third level of of starter at one particular position at linebacker, and uh, and you've had some injuries in your secondary, but they've been able to plug guys in and they've still been able to maintain you know the. 312 yards of uh, net offense uh, Hamilton had yesterday. And they're, I think uh, going into the game, the Eskimos were averaging, and this is the best in the league, were averaging about 308 yards of net offense. So, so this, is a, this is a defense that is playing fantastic, and you've got to be really impressed with what Mike Benavides has done. Now, offensively, um, they're playing without arguably the best receiver, one of the best receivers in the league in Bowman. And, and that puts a lot of stress on what you can do offensively because they've got, you know, whenever you match up Bowman with a Zilstra on the same side, now that adds a little bit more attention to those two receivers. Okay, now you've got, or you, you, whenever you've got two of them that are really good or really strong, or even if you overload with a third one, but, but when you're missing one of those guys, then it allows defenses to play differently against them. And I think that is what created some of the issues early in the game for the Eskimos. And then, of course, uh, Mitchell just started to catch balls and make plays, and and then the then the Hamilton went. Well, I guess we can't leave a guy like that open. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to play him honestly. And as soon as they did that, Edmonton started to have a little bit more success. And when you when you look at how they scored 18 points to Hamilton's three in the fourth quarter, they just kept building on it and and building on it, and the success just started to happen. Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, joining us on Inside Sports. The Eskimos 4-0 after beating Hamilton 31-28 last night. Mike Riley, seven touchdowns, no interceptions on the year. Blake, I want to break something up because uh, from the moment you and I met and talked on or off air, and you've kind of bugged me about it, is I've always complained about throwing passes to stationary receivers, especially short passes. You know, I don't like that curl, especially if it only goes three yards. But the Eskimos got a touchdown off that type of a play yesterday to Bryant Mitchell. And when I watched the replay, I noticed that Riley threw the ball 
just a little bit to Bryant Mitchell's left. So he would kind of start running with the ball and turn that direction because Riley saw the opening there. And I thought to myself that, to me anyway, Blake, I mean, I know quarterbacks have to do that, but I thought that was such a mature and precise move by Riley, and it turned what maybe could have been an eight-yard gain into a touchdown. And, and also the, the fact that uh, uh, Mitchell got hit by two different guys and maintained his balance uh, told me, that there's a fair bit of toughness, and, and we saw that with Zilstra all all, uh, all game. He took some a couple of really hard hits and was able to hang, hang, uh, hang on to the ball. But someone told me today, and I forget, forget what it was, but the yards after the catches, every touchdown that Riley threw in the game was after contact. Like, and and you, you, even the last touchdown, uh, how uh, uh, Hazleton had to wrestle the ball away from the defensive back. And then turn and get upfield and get into and, and score the touchdown like this. They this was not an easy victory, and the the um, the passing game in the CFL. And that's why you look at the uh, the percentages. You know, I, I laughed about this with Morley the other the other day. Was looking at uh, the uh, Zach Kolaris has a 62 percent completion percentage, and uh, he was 61 point something in the game. So he's right around what his what his average is. He's the lowest average in the league. Uh, the, the highest average is uh, is Riley, who is seventy three percent, and that's right around where he threw. And uh, but but when you look back twenty years ago, thirty years ago, the quarterbacks did the Damon Allens of the world. I think Damon Allens in the Hall of Fame at less than sixty percent completion percentage over his career. Yep. If you look at Ron Lancaster, he was probably around fifty five percent. And 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 so the, the the game has changed so much, and the short pass game that you despise. Um, it's become an, uh, like an extension of a run play. So you can throw the, the three-yard play or the four-yard pass that, and hope that turns into something else like happened in the Eskimo game or it becomes like a three-yard run or a four-yard run. And so, so there, but it's such a high percentage play, and it's so difficult for defenses to stop because they've got to react to a, a quarterback getting the ball and throwing it quickly and a receiver is only running four or five yards. So, so it's, a, it's a very effective um, uh, uh, effective type of offense, and that's the way the game has changed. And these quarterbacks, these these guys, are able to make those reads and make those throws so much better now than they ever did. Well, you make a good point, and I, and I should like I don't hate the short passes. I just hate when the guy turns around and gets drilled. I mean, I love when they're crisscrossing or when they brought Watson out of the backfield and he's going full speed when he gets it. But you make a good point because when I like when I was a kid, I remember you'd you know I'd watch football in the eighties. And uh, standard line commentators would always use, well, you know, when you throw when you throw a pass, two out of the three things that can happen are bad, yeah. right? Complete, incomplete, or interception. Like if you said that now, you'd be laughed out of the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a, a, a quote that was made famous by Newt Rockney from uh, uh, Notre Dame fame. Yeah, passing the ball back way back in the twenties or something. He said. It's, it, it, when you pass the ball, three things happen, and two of them are bad. So, <laughs> uh, Blake, the Eskimos were on a short week. Now they, uh, I guess you can call it a long week or, or, or whatever. I mean, when you when you played, give people a sense and of what these guys are going through. Would would you prefer in a perfect world to play every you know every Friday or every Friday and Saturday? I mean, how long did you, after a game did your body really start to feel ready for the next game? Well, it wasn't so much one game to the next as it was an accumulation of games. And the Eskimos have had, and they haven't had a really difficult schedule to this point. This was a little bit of a shorter week. And so, and I was looking at their schedule. Like, it doesn't start to get really kind of nasty until, until October. I think they played three games in 11 days or 12 days in October. 
But other than that, they're playing virtually every week. It's uh, six days, seven days, eight days between games. And that's a, that's a great rhythm for this team. Um, when you look at teams like Ottawa, what they've had to do in you know, the four games and the 17 days, that's difficult, on, that's difficult on your mind and your body. You never seem to get a break. Uh, the Eskimos have in the long week. BC plays tonight against Winnipeg. Um, and, and if I was the Eskimos, I'd be sitting there going, I hope they, they go and beat the crap out of each other. I don't care who wins. Just beat the crap out of each other because it's a short week and they got to come to come to us to play us. Yeah, for sure. Well, great start. Uh, you, uh, you know, I, I know uh, people are nervous, but uh, I'll always take a, a win like that over over losing a close game for sure. It's been fun so far. Blake, hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for coming on again tonight. I guess we'll do this. Uh, I don't know, a week and a half, Monday. We'll find time, buddy. Sure, no problem. That's Blake Durbin checking in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chet, talking about the uh, 4-0 and Edmonton Eskimos. You can reach me by texting 630-630, the phone number 780-496-7, I should know the number by now, 780-496-0063. We're coming right back. Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Fifty-three. Blue Jays leading Cleveland 3-2. That game in the top of uh, pardon me, the bottom of the fifth. British Open. Jordan Spieth one under 69 today. He had birdies on 11 and 12 to seize control. Missed a short putt on 16 that could have helped them out a little bit more, but nonetheless, a uh, six under. Matt Kuchar, two shots behind. Spieth says he loves having the lead, even though it comes with the pressure on the weekend. And any time you're in the last group on the weekend in a major, and this is, I think, the you know probably a dozen times I've had at least a share of the lead in a major championship, um, you know, you, you get nervous, and, and I'll be feeling it this weekend a bit, but I enjoy it. Well, the best guys do enjoy the pressure, no doubt about that. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kellen Kennedy is our studio producer this evening. Kellen, uh, you hey, were Reed. off a little bit last week. We had a great interview, by the way, with uh, Tim Boychuk. Yes, local, listen to it on the podcast yeah. through iTunes. Local, local drag racer. Mm-hmm. You, can, yeah, you can sign up for the uh, Inside Sports podcast on iTunes or go to 630shed.com. Uh, yeah, Tim was a note. It was great to talk to him. And you mm-hmm. went to the Rocky Mountain Nationals at Castle Raceway last weekend. Yep, I was uh, uh, freelancing all weekend out there with my video camera and uh, just getting some shots of the cars for the track. And it was a it was a great Friday, a really hot Saturday, like okay, boiling Saturday. All right. And then Sunday, uh, Mother Nature decided to put a damper on proceedings and rained us out. So, so they had no winner. No winner. So what do they do in that scenario? Okay, so they, uh, the eliminations, that was the uh, the name of the day, was Sunday final eliminations, will be run on September 2nd. That's a Saturday at Castro Raceway. So okay. it's, they pretty much just froze the ladders as they were, and all the qualifying time stales, uh stayed the same and everything, and they just told everybody, hey, come back on September 2nd, and we'll run for the trophies then. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, are you going to go back? Are you able Heck to go yeah. Back? Absolutely. We got to find out what happens. And how was Boy Chuck doing? Was he doing well? Um, I have to. I can't remember his exact qualifying position. I think he was middle of the pack, 
So uh, was this? So they did everything except the elimination rounds. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So now it was one on one. Yeah. Winner goes on, losers out, regardless of your time. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's yep. the stage there. How many guys make that? Sixteen, eight, or uh, it was eight car show. Yeah, eight cars left. Okay. Yeah. So right. he's he's well so in the eight car show. Quarter semis the quarter and finals. Yep. Okay. Qu- quarter finals. You're right. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Yep. Thanks, Kellen. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. CFL tonight. Winnipeg two and one at BC three and one. Saskatchewan tomorrow. They're one and two, taking on Calgary, sitting there at two. One and one, Calgary quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell just loves those Ryder fans. They seem to travel well and seem to be in every single city. Um, you know, we can be playing Hamilton. There's going to be Saskatchewan jersey up there in the stands. Now the Stampeders lost last week to Montreal. They have not lost back-to-back games since 2012. Defensive end Charleston Hughes hopes to keep that going. Losing back-to-back is is something that, you know, is uncharacteristic of us, and I don't expect it happening, you know, this time either. Stamps have been incredible. 15 wins last year, 14 the year before, but did not win the Grey Cup either season. Of course, the Eskimos stopped them in the West Final in 15 last year. They were upset in overtime by the Ottawa Red Blacks. All right, we got the uh, 7 o'clock news coming up. We have uh, open line time. If you want to chime in on anything, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We'll have a little bit of fun about this uh, Phelps versus Great White Shark race. They're calling it Great Gold versus Great White. We're actually going to have a member of the U of A Pandas uh, swim team on the show to talk about it. And, uh, well, we got a surprise late in the show. I'll just leave it at that. Something a little offbeat that fits in with one of the themes of the program, but still kind of a surprise. I think that'll be fun. That's all coming up between 7 and 8. It's Inside Sports on 630 Jet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.